الحمد لله الحمد لله وحده والصلاة والسلام على من لا نبي بعده لا نبي بعده ولا أمة بعد كتاب ولا أمة بعد أمته ولا كتاب بعد كتابه ولا شريعة بعد شريعته أما بعد فأوض بالله من الشيطان الرجيم بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم فقد قال الله تبارك وتعالى لقد كان لكم في رسول الله أصفة حسنة وقال لي صلاة وسلام عليكم بسنتي وسنة الخلفاء الراشدين المهديين أضوا عليها بالنواجذ صدق الله صدق الله العظيم وصدق رسول الكريم ونحن على ذلك من الشاهدين والشاكرين والحمد لله رب العالمين It is the great grace and bounty of Allah تبارك وتعالى that we are here witnessing the spectacle of Jumu'ah and we are participating in the ibadah of Jumu'ah. Not so long ago, say two years ago, we weren't allowed to be in a masjid participating, gathering for the occasion of Jumu'ah. It is a great bounty of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala which we ought to show gratitude for. Allah tabarak wa ta'ala mentions with regards to gratitude that in shakartum la'azidannakum that if you show gratitude then I will definitely give you an increase in whatever ni'mah bounty a person is enjoying. But if a person fails to show gratitude to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for the ni'mah and bounty that he's enjoying, then the punishment of, of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is really severe. There's a famous saying which goes, As-shukru hafidul mujood wa jalibul mafqood. That gratitude protects a ni'mah a person is enjoying and it draws near a bounty a person is not enjoying. So really we should show gratitude to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for having given us this occasion to be able to witness this Juma of the spectacle of Juma once again. And the way that we can show Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, or rather to show, show truly gratitude to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, there are two ways of showing gratitude. One is qawli, you say it, alhamdulillah, jazakumullah, etc. And then the other is fa'li, fa'li by action, that a person, he acts out that shukr, he shows Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that I'm grateful for you having granted me this bounty. So as far as Juma is concerned, first let us start off with something that is known as the etiquette of coming to Juma or the etiquette of Yomul Juma'ah. Number one, Al-Juma'atu Mizanul Usbu' that the day of Juma is known as the gauge of the week. How a person conducts on Yomul Juma'ah, that is how a person will conduct his entire week. So let us understand firstly that the etiquette of Juma is very important. And as far as our sitting is concerned, by the grace of Allah Tabarak wa Ta'ala this week, we were able to participate in one majlis of Hazrat Mufti Sahib, Damat Barakatum. And ironically, the thing that he highlighted very importantly was the sitting in a masjid. That when a person is coming to the masjid, the way that he sits, it really shows how much importance he is giving to the day of Juma or that occasion that a person is in. So he quotes Surah Safat and he mentions in the, the third tafsir which he mentioned was that by the angels who sit in rows in front of, in, in Ibadah, in acts of Ibadah, so then he went on to amplify or rather explain the importance of sitting carefully, sitting arranged on the safs on, on, in the masjid. So this goes to show how important it is to even sit correctly when it comes to the masjid. Maharun rahmatullahi I've heard a couple of his bayans when he mentions or he amplifies again, he, he shows the importance of sitting carefully in the masjid, occupying the front rows. And in as far as occupying the front rows is concerned, what does the hadith of Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam tell us? Number one is, the best stuff for the men is the first stuff, the first rows. And the worst stuff for the men are the back rows. And we learn in as far as the etiquette of Juma is concerned. 
The Nabi sallallahu explains coming early to the masjid, walking to the masjid, applying it, etc. But over and above that, he says that, and that person will receive the full reward of the day of Juma is that person who occupies the front, who comes to the front, and he fills up the gaps. When you fill up the gap, what are you closing? What are you closing? What chapter are you closing really? You are closing the chapter of taklif where Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa says that you should not cause taklif to anybody by jumping over their shoulder. Now logically, if you look at it, if a person comes in a masjid and occupies the front rows first, then obviously there will be no scope for anybody to actually jump over his shoulder. So inshallah, we must try and adhere to the sunnahs of the day of Jumu'ah and take them seriously. And remember very carefully when you say the sunnahs or the etiquettes of Jumu'ah, it is not something that is meant to be taken like, oh, it's just a sunnah, oh, it's just an etiquette. So it's not so important. But rather it is very important. Because in Islam, the standing of etiquette is very high. If you look at Surah Hujrat, Allah Taala basically highlights the etiquette. And he mentions different various types of etiquette in there. That is for us to practice upon and to show respect to the deen of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. The greatest verse in regards to etiquette is what? A person who honors the signs, the salient features of Islam. What is this person actually showing respect to? The salient features of Islam. What is this person actually doing? He is showing the importance, the importance of the salient feature of Islam because he has taqwa in his heart. And a person who has taqwa in his heart will naturally have adab, will naturally have respect for the salient features of Islam. So let us understand this, inshallah, next time we try and occupy the front rows, we try to fill in the masjid to the best of our ability. So that brings us to today's topic, which is the sunnah of Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. And Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam's sunnah is so comprehensive, it's so jami' that a person needs not to look into anything else besides the sunnah of Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Allah tabaraka wa ta'ala mentions in the Quran and Majid in the verse that was recited above, that in the life of Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, there is an excellent example for you. There is a perfect example for you. When we choose for somebody, when we choose for our, those who are beloved to us, what do we choose? We choose the best. We choose the ideal. We choose something that is on top of the range. Why? Because we love that person. And we want that person to feel honored. For example, take for example a person who has a guest by his house. He won't present his normal food, but rather he will go and he will purchase a little bit extra. Why? Because he wants to show that person that you are honored, you are revered, and you are most welcome by coming here. So then, Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam obviously is the best of all mankind. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala chose for Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, or chose Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam to be an example for you and I, so that you, we can be the best of ummat. Number one is, already the ummat of Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, on virtue, by the virtue of them, calling towards Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and prohibiting good, that's one. And then the other is, Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa mentioning that the people who teach, who learn and teach the Qur'an and Majid, and over and above that is those people who follow the sunnah of Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. So if you follow the sunnah of Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, you are three times the best. Because it's the way of the best of the anbiya of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So we choose the best for the people who we like. But in as far as the worldly standards are concerned, normally in order for us to take up a role model, then we look at four things in a role model. Number one is the person's life has to be accurately recorded. If you look at the life of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, how is the life of Rasulullah sallallahu recorded? Number one is you look at Sayyidina Abu Huraira radiallahu ta'ala. Firstly, before that even, Nabi Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala chose for Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam companions who will record the life of Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. And amongst them is this sahabi by the name of Abu Huraira radiallahu ta'ala anhum. Abu Huraira radiallahu ta'ala anhu, he mentions 
that my companions or my friends, the Ansar and the Muhajirin, they were busy with their orchards, they were busy with their livestock, etc. They were farming, they were into business. And others used to come to the majlis of Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam to learn, etc. But he says, I had none of this. My duty was to record the life of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. And he comes in the books of hadith, etc. That Sayyidina Abu Huraira radiallahu ta'ala is one of those sahaba who are known as mukfirin. Those who have the most amount of ahadith, who recorded the most amount of ahadith from Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. And the number to be exact, so I don't make a mistake, it's 5,374 ahadith that are recorded by Sayyidina Abu Huraira radiallahu ta'ala. And if you look at it in hindsight, what is this? It goes to show the authenticity of the life of Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. How well recorded, how well documented is the life of Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. That more than 5,000 ahadith, can you show to me, can even the books of history, the annals of history show any such personality whose life is so well recorded. Besides Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, there is none. And then the second point we look into is the comprehensiveness of that person's life. Why? Because the person who's looking for guidance, when he looks into a guide, when he looks into a role model, he needs to find guidance for every facet of his life. So in as far as being a grandfather is concerned, in as far as being a father is concerned, in as far as being a friend is concerned, in as far as being a leader is concerned, etc. All the facets of a person's life. If a person looks into the life of Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, he will definitely find an example. Look at the grandfather. If a person is a grandfather, then look at the grandfather of Hassan and Hussein radiallahu ta'ala. The amount of shafqa, the amount of compassion that Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam used to show to his grandchildren and all other children that Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam used to show compassion to. And if a person is a father, then look at the father of Sayyidah Fatima radiallahu ta'ala anha. How much compassion, how much love Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa had for Sayyidah Fatima radiallahu ta'ala anha. And if a person is a leader, look at the leader who is walking into, who is marching victoriously rather into Makkah Mukarramah. What does he say to the people? He does not show that you people today, we are taking a revenge upon you for all the years of punishment, for all the years of abuse that you have meted against us. As a matter of fact, in the books of Sirah, the books of history, it is written that one Sahabi who had the flag of Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, he says, he tells the mushrikeen that today is a day of war. Today is a day of bloodshed. Basically, today is a day of revenge. We'll show you people. So then this comes to the ear of Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa learns of this. And he says, no, today is not a day of war. Today is not a day of bloodshed. But today is a day of mercy. This goes to show that Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam's mission, life mission, was to bring people to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. He was not one who will avenge. He was not one who is, was coming to, show, to, blood, to shed blood. But rather, Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam was here to join the creation to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So then Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam marches victoriously. So this here, in this is a is an example for us if a person is in a position of authority, how you should treat your subordinates, how, you should, how, how much kindness you should show to your subordinates, people who are under our care, people who are under our responsibility, our families, our wives, our children, etc., our workers, etc., how we should show them, how we should treat them. As a matter of fact, if we treat our workers correctly, that is the greatest form of da'wah that a person can give. We are familiar with the incident of that person who came into the masjid, was arrested in the masjid of Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. And when this person was arrested, he observed for three days basically the akhlaq 
and the way that the Muslims treat each other. More so, how the Muslims treated him. We well know nowadays if a person is in prison, just a normal prison, not even a foreign prison, how that person is treated by the prison wardens. But then here Nabi Wasallam doesn't abuse him, doesn't insult him, doesn't hurl any abuse against him. But then on the third day, this person after observing the spectacle of Medina Munara, the ibadah, the way they are treating each other, he out of his own accord, without being invited to Islam, he accepts Islam. So if we will conduct in such a way that we treat our workers kindly, we treat others kindly. One is the dress, of course, that is in its place. You have to do that. It is the sunnah of Nabi Sallallahu We have been instructed. There are guidelines in as far as how the dressing should be. Should be. But more important than that, because people won't come here and say our prayer. How many non-Muslims are here at the moment? None. But then people will interact with us. How are we conducting with other people? How are we speaking to our workers, etc.? That is very important. And how Nabi Sallallahu treated his own workers, and then that too we should look into. And then the third is, the aspect that you should look in when you're looking for a personality to follow, is the practicality of his ways. Is the practicality of what the person is teaching you or what he's calling to. The practicality of what the person is calling you to. If you look at the laws nowadays, they don't look at our well-being so much, but rather they are looking for their own benefit. The laws that are that come about, you, we've heard about the marriage bill, it's obviously not in favor of everybody. So that means they are not considerate of our well-being, meaning the people's well-being, the, the subordinates' well-being. But if you look at the whole system, the governance of Islam, it is in favor of its own adherence and it is in favor of the people who are non-Muslims. So the way of Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam is totally practical. So then we should not feel any, we should not have any inferiority complex when we identify as Muslims, when we wear the topi, when we go out in places and people say you are Muslim, you people are known to make it stinger with your hands, etc. Not to be crude in those words. But then Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa lifestyle is completely perfect. We need not to feel ashamed. An example of this can be seen in life of Salman al-Farsi radiallahu ta'ala anhum. Salman al-Farsi radiallahu ta'ala anhum, his history about accepting Islam is remarkable. And also the way he adhered to Islam after that, that's a whole different chapter altogether. But then anyway, Sayyidina Salman al-Farsi radiallahu ta'ala, the mushrikeen and perhaps the Jews and the Christians of Medina Munawwara, they come up to him and they tell him that look, your Nabi, basically ridiculing him and mocking him, your Nabi teaches you everything. He teaches you how to go to the toilet, etc. These are mundane pursuits. In other words, you ought to know these things. You don't, you don't need to be taught these things. So Salman al-Farsi radiallahu ta'ala, and this is a lesson we should all take home. He does not get agitated. He does not get irritated. He says, yes, our Nabi Sassam does teach us all these things. So being a Muslim, our identity, we should always maintain that. We should not fear that people say, you are wearing your pants above your ankles, etc. This is out of fashion. Once upon a time it was in fashion. Now it's no longer in fashion. You are wearing a beard. You look like a jungle. You look like a person from the bush, etc. That is not our concern. Our concern is whether Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is happy or not. And as far as the beard is concerned, as a matter of fact, once some people came to Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa some messengers of some king, they came to Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam and they mentioned to Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, they brought the message to him and Nabi sallallahu looked away from them. He says that who has told you to shave away the beard? They said our king has told us, our malik has told us. Then Nabi sallallahu says to them something that we all should take seriously and advise others against this as well. He said, but my king, my Allah has ordered me to keep the beard. So we should also advise others about keeping the sunnah beard of Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. And in this is a great door of goodness as we'll explore later on. And then number four is the perfect 
that life must be perfect. The life of that person we want to follow, it must be perfect in all aspects. So, in as far as this is concerned, the saying of Mawlana Abu al-Haqsab rahimahullah reads true. He says, the sunnah of Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa is ashal. The sunnah of Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa is the most simple. The sunnah of Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa is akmal. It is the most complete. The sunnah of Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa is ajmal. It is the most beautiful. And others have added, Muqamul Zaman sahab, Dhamad Barakatum, he adds, the sunnah of Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa is aqrab. It brings a person. It is the shortest way of coming close to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And other ulama have mentioned that it is anfa'. It is the most beneficial way. It is the most beneficial way in as far as the person's living in the dunya is concerned. And in as far as a person's going to the hereafter is concerned. There's a great buzuk has passed on one of the khulafa of Mufti Gangoi rahimahullah. He used to ba'qaida in principle formally make his audience repeat the following words. He used to say, As-sunnatu rahatun. The sunnat, in the sunnat of Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam is comfort. In the sunnat of Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam is peace. As-sunnatu izzatun. In the sunnah of Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam is our honor and respect. As-sunnatu najatun. In the sunnah of Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam is our salvation. If we look into any other way, if we look into any other way of any other personality, then we will not enjoy all these benefits that are being mentioned by this great buzuk. So we ought to follow the way of Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. And what happens if a person leaves out following the sunnah of Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam? Just to understand this, once Sayyidina Umar radiallahu ta'ala nu, he's in a com- companionship of Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, and he brings a Torah, in other riwayat, narrations, it is mentioned, he used to frequent the Ahl kitab office, to learn. So then, when he brought this, when he was reading this before Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, Nabi sallallahu face was turning red, and we well, we read, we read in the hadith of Nabi sallallahu alayhi the description of his anger, it was as if a pomegranate was being squeezed upon his face, when he, when he became angry. So then Abu Bakr radiallahu ta'ala who understood the mansha of Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, which is very important to understand the mansha of Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, the desire of Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. As a matter of fact, to digress, Muqasim Nanoti rahimahullah, it was said to him that how did you attain this rank of greatness? People look up to you, they respect you, etc. He says, when we were in madrasa, we used to study the hadith of Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, the different funun containing or pertaining to the sciences of hadith, etc. But more than that, I used to look into every hadith of Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, that what is the mansha, what is the desire of Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, what does Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam want from us? So in order to understand this perfectly, Sayyidina Abu Bakr radiallahu ta'ala knew what is the mansha of Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. So Sayyidina Abu, Umar radiallahu ta'ala, Sayyidina Abu Bakr tells Umar radiallahu ta'ala, that rahimakallah, may Allah have mercy. Can you see what is happening to the mercy of Nabi, to the face of Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam? So then Umar radiallahu begs forgiveness from Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. And Nabi sallallahu mentions such words which would serve as a benchmark or as a deterrent from us from following any other way that is contrary to the sunnah of Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. He says that if Musa alayhi salatu wasalam was alive today, he wouldn't have a choice but to follow me. So this goes to show the importance of following the way of Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam and leaving out ways that are alien to Islam. And once a sahabi was walking and he heard somebody walking behind him and he says to this person is saying to him, Irfa'i zara, raise your pants above your ankles. So then he's thinking, who is this that's talking to me? So then he looks behind him and he sees that it's Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa is advising him that raise your pants. So the pants he was wearing, what we would call a, a pyjama, 
So he says to Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, this is not a pants that people look up to. If you're wearing this, like what we'll say, work clothes, nobody expects it, expects you to be respected on the, on the basis of uh, overalls, etc. So then he tells Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam this. The Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam looks at him and he says, is there not an example for you in my life? So basically this is the mansha that Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, this is the desire of Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, that we should follow Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam in every aspect of our lives. And another incident that is quite famous, Ma'akil bin Yasar, radiyallahu ta'ala, when, he was, when the Islam had conquered many countries, and he was invited for some discussions of government, etc., governance of the countries. So, a uh, morsel of food had fallen down and he picked it up, like it's the sunnah of Nabi Sallallahu and he dusts it and he eats it. So somebody next to him nudges him. You know, like when you don't want to alert others, but rather alert the one who's next to you, he nudges him. So he says to him that, you know, these people look down on this practice of yours, like we hear nowadays, that... What are you doing? You're sitting on the floor and eating. You, you're in the back. You're in the camel ages. So he says, I won't leave out my sunnah, the sunnah of Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. For these people, for these Arabs, for these, for these non-Arabs, for these non-Muslims, I won't leave out the sunnah of Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. And ironically, Allah tabaraka ta'ala's mercy, imagine, three days ago, my family happens to be teaching in one maktab, and she's explaining to the students the importance of sitting down and eating the sunnahs, etc. And one student says, but Abba, you know when I sit down and eat at home, when we try to sit down and eat at home, my mother says eating on the floor brings about ants in the house. And another, that is more severe, another student says, yeah, you know when, my, when we sit down, we try to sit down and, and, and eat on the floor, my mother says either you sit on a table or you get out, go and sleep. Now imagine that nowadays, instead of bringing people closer to the sunnah of Nabi Sallallahu we are driving them away from the sunnah of Nabi Sallallahu It is an exceptional case when somebody cannot sit on a table, an elderly person is ill, etc. That's an exceptional case, exceptional case. But it is not the rule. The rule is to sit down and eat like Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam used to eat. As a matter of fact, Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam used to say, I am a servant of Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala. I eat like how a servant eats. In other words, I do not eat reclining. I do not eat boastfully. I respect the food because it's the bounty of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. What are the sayings of the pious with regards to the sunnah of Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam? Shah Hakim sahab, rahimahullah, the sheikh of my Yunus Pateh, rahmatullah alayhi, used to say, the nizam, the peace and contentment is in the nizam of Medina Munawara. Where are you searching for peace and contentment and completeness in besides the way of Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam? So in other words, if we are looking to find peace in anything other than the way of Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa we definitely will not find it. And the famous Ashar, Nafsa Qadim, Nabi Kehe, Sunnah Kehraste, that whole Ashar, he says in that, that the person who follows the way of Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, then this is the pathway to Jannah. And if a person fails to follow this, then a person will never ever attain Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Obviously this is corroborated by the Qur'an Majid, the ayat of the Qur'an Majid, when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, قُلْ إِن كُنْتُمْ تُحِبُّونَ اللَّهِ That if you love Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, then follow me, follow Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, then only you will attain Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Mufti Mahmud sahab rahimahullah says, Look at it, look at the sunnah of Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, the sunnah of Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has made Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam the outstanding model. If a person follows any other way besides the sunnah of Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, he will not attain Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. In essence, he wants us to be like Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. And if we don't follow this, then we can't gain qurb and closeness to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Hajim Dadullah rahimahullah, great saints used to say, sunnat me mahbubiyat hai. In the sunnah, is the magnetic, magnetic effect. The sunnah has the magnetic effect of drawing people closer to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And Junaid Baghdadi rahimahullah used to say, At-turuk ila Allah bi'adadi anfasil khala'ik. Kulluha masduda. That the ways leading to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala are many. 
are innumerable. But all are closed except that one which conforms to the sunnah of Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Fudail bin Iyad rahimahullah, he says, once some students asked him, what is the meaning of the verse, Ahsanu Amala? So then he says to them, that the meaning of the verse, Ahsan, in this, in this verse, it means that the action has to be khalisan, khalis, and it has to be sawab, it has to be correct. So then they asked him, what is the meaning of khalis? And what is the meaning of sawab, pure? So he says, khalis, it has to be for the sake of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. amal bin niyat. And then he says, sawab means it has to conform to the way of Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. If an action, basically these two preconditions have to be found. If an action is khalis for the sake of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, and if it is correct, meaning conforms to the way of Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, then only will an action be worthy of acceptance in the sight of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Dr. Abdul Hay, Arifi rahimahullah, he says that for many years I've made mask, I've made practice. And after many years, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala granted me the tawfiq that whenever I intend practicing upon something, then the first thing that comes to my mind is how can I carry it out in the way that is in conformity to the sunnah of Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. He says, whenever I sit down to eat, whenever I sit down to drink, whatever I'm doing, I ask myself, what is the sunnah in this regard? And then he says, after many years, alhamdulillah, the first thing that comes into my mind is that what does Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam want or how did Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam do this action? Hazrat Shaykh rahimahullah, he advised one of his grandsons, I'm not sure which one of them, so he said to them that when you are, when Allah Ta'ala grants you the tawfiq to practice on any sunnah of Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, make it a point, make it a point that you say, Jazallahu anna Muhammadan Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam bimahu ahlu, that you recite this durood upon Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. So then his grandson says, I practiced on this advice of Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, and one day I had seen a demon wherein there is a palace and my name is written on that. And he says that this is on account of practicing on the sunnah of Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. And then Sayyid Kabir Ahmad Rifai Rahimahullah, he says, do not leave out practicing on the sunnah of Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. Even if it is the mundane, mundane acts or practices of Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. Because if you do this, then you will be closing a great door of goodness for yourself. And then Mufti Taqi Sab, just to round off on this, he, he said once that if we were to practice on the sunnah of Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, whatever difficulties we are facing, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will do away with those difficulties. The reason that we are experiencing whatever difficulties we are experiencing nowadays is because we have left out the sunnah of Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. In other words, we have to come back to the way of Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. And how can we bring the sunnah into our lives? So number one is to study the seerah of Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, the history of Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. And if once we understand who is Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, then it will be easy to do the next step, which is to adopt a sunnah. Every day a person should try and see that what, how many sunnahs have I adopted from my Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Had Hafiz Umar Ji who passed away, the son of Abdul Haq Magdasab rahimahullah. So then his outstanding quality was that he was always on khidmah. He was always ready to serve. Look at him. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala honored him in a sense that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala made it such that his janazah, there were many people who attended it. But obviously that is not the goal. But what we are saying is Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala blessed him. He was honored in the sense that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala showed that to him, that all the people who were, who he had served, they had come to his funeral, etc. And people who were phoning and speaking about him after they had nothing but good to say, that always on khidmah, always ready to help. So if we also can adopt a particular sunnah, that this is my sunnah, I will make sure that I will teach others about it. For example, if Shah salam, making salam a common practice, and then the third is to tell others about it. To practice and then to tell others about it. And when we tell others about it, we'll create a mahal wherein if I see the next person is practicing on a sunnah that is not in my life, that will be a reminder for me 
that, that sunnah I don't have in my life. And in that way, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala makes it such that the sunnah will come out into my life. And then to finish off, Ma'abral al-Haq rahimahullah says, mentions three guidelines into bring, of bringing the sunnah of Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam in our life. He says, number one is make salam a common practice. Make salam a common practice. And salam is not the exclusive right of your friend. It is the exclusive right of every single Muslim. Why Nabi Sassam mentions there are six or five according to different riwayat narrations that there are five or six rights that a Muslim enjoys upon you. And amongst them is to return, to, re- to, to, to reply to the salam of a believer. Matter of fact, Imam Abu Dawood had actually per- paid in order to respond to a salam. They lent the incident. But anyway, then the second he mentions that to wear clothes starting from the right. Basically, but particular, be particular about whatever you're doing. Is it in conformity to the sunnah or is it not in conformity to the sunnah? And then he mentions that when descending to recite Allahu Akbar, and then uh, su- uh, Subhanallah, and then ascending to recite Allahu Akbar, and when walking on a flat surface to recite La ilaha illallah subhanallah and all other adhkar, may Allah tabarak wa ta'ala grant us tawfiq of practicing whatever has been said, just also to read the biographies of the awliya, the past awliya, and more specifically our Mu'ayyunus Pater rahmatullahi his adherence to the sunnah, and this one particular incident he had mentioned, that wherein he saw the dream, etc. And in the end he says, what are we going to do with the sensitive heart of Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa In other words, if you are not following the sunnah of Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa we are hurting, we are displeasing Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa Who is there that says that I want to hurt Nabi sallallahu Obviously no perfect person, no believer will say that. May Allah grant us tawfiq wa akhir da'wan. Alhamdulillah, Rabbil Alameen.